0: Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, um, and I'm glad you're with me today. I hope you uh, are having a great day, and I hope you had a chance to listen to Susie Larson live. Maybe you caught Carmen in this in the morning. And all the other great programming that we have here on Faith Radio. I'm a big fan, big fan of you. I love that you uh, tune in. So, what's the one thing I need to bring to work every day? I can't come to work without my laptop because that is my primary tool for hosting and. Guess what I forgot today? My laptop. So, it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Fortunately, I've got guests that are going to be really easy to work with. I have Dr. Glenn Pickering with me here in studio. We're going to talk today about the blessing and the challenge of relationships. The blessing and the challenge of relationships. Glenn is a a counselor and seminar leader and author and uh, regular guest here on the show. Always glad to have him on. Glenn? Welcome back.
1: Thanks. It's always good to be here, truly.
0: Thank you so much. Now, um, before we get into the business at hand, I do want to run something by you uh, that came in yesterday, and I said that I would bring it up because it's a relational issue, and so may I just uh, propose the the question? I dare you. Here we go. I have a marriage that has had nothing for almost the entire marriage. My wife has had a lot of anger in her towards me and others at times. She's been verbally abusive towards me. I pray that whatever has a hold of her leaves, but it only gets worse. We're in our late 60s and life is ticking away in misery. Marital conflicts to her become enormous and she's built a brick wall. And the divorce word uh, comes up often and I pray and I've had others pray, but it only seems to get worse. And then there's a little bit of questioning, uh, what do I do? Is uh, If she doesn't want to go to counseling, is divorce justified? By my math, I don't have tons of years left to live, and I don't want to live in misery. Do I literally drag her to a counselor? I have no progress with or without prayers from me and others. There's a softball question for you. To get yeah, I,
1: I like the easy stuff to start with. Yeah. So my softball answer is I promise we're going to get back to that question. All right. <laughs> later okay fine so first we're going to start off with the incredible blessing because as you said in the intro you know i want to talk today about the blessing and the challenge of relationships. so if it's okay with you i'll start off with the blessing and then we're going to talk about the challenges okay sounds and good that um text message will be a great illustration of the challenge for us so i want to start here um it says in first john 4 8 that um 4, 7, and 8, that, um, beloved, love one another for, um, you know, God is love. And I always think that's interesting. It doesn't say God is loving. It's not a characteristic of God. Or like, that's well, that's one thing that's true about God, or that God is occasionally does loving things. It says, God is love. And we need to take that really seriously. So, and Paul is, in Galatians 3, he's 12, he's kind of wrestling with that and thinking, okay, what does that mean? And he talks about, well, if we're loving, we do this and we do that. And finally, at the end, he says... Love is that which binds together all living things. And he right. so God is love, and love is that which binds together all living things. So the power that connects my heart to your heart, my spirit to your spirit is God. That's God's love connecting us together. Which is why then in First John 4.20 it says, if somebody says, I love God but hates their brother, they're a liar and the truth is not in them. And I used to read that thing and think, man, John's being kind of harsh right there. But now I understand. He honestly is not trying to be harsh in the least. He's just trying to help us understand. God is the loving, powerful, amazing, incredible, bigger-than-anything-in-this-world force that connects me to my brother. So if I say I love God, but I disrespect the connection between me and my brother, I I literally just don't even know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking God is out there somewhere. And John is trying to say, no, God is that power that connects you to your brothers and sisters. So if you disrespect that relationship or that connection, you're literally disrespecting the God that connects you to that person. And, um, which is just a powerful thought to me. And I, um, I've thought and prayed about this for so many years that I would be able to live into that thought. To really see every person that God brings into my life as being connected to me through God's love. And, um... And if we get that right, it's really great. But the truth is, so quick, as Christians are all about unity, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but you don't have to look very far around the world to see examples of everything except unity. I mean, politics is divisive, spirituality is divisive, what church you go to is divisive, where you live is divisive, what color you are. I mean, it's like, you can't go on any social media platform without reading somebody who's trying to say something harsh or condemning or fearful or angry or mean-spirited about somebody else. It's like wow, you guys just come on here just to
0: spill junk. There's no civil rules of engagement, is there?
1: I, and I read over and over again. If I say I love God but I hate my brother and sister, I'm a liar and the truth is not in me. Mm. We have to take that so seriously. And I don't mean like in a condemning way, a judgmental way. I don't mean it that way at all. Just like in an almost uh, miraculously amazing way, that there's this amazing force in the world that literally binds together all living things and to the extent that we get that we live our life differently sometimes i have young couples come to me for counseling who you know they're trying to create a good relationship and so they say god glenn we want you to help us create a god-centered relationship god-centered marriage and i think a good for you for wanting that b there's no relationship that's not god-centered i mean god is the powerful force that connects the two of you so you don't get to decide if it's a god-centered marriage or not it already is Now, you could decide if you're going to honor and respect that. Mm. You could decide if you're going to build on that. You could decide if you want to be grateful to that God that brought you that person. You can decide you want to treat that person in your life in a way that honors the fact that they're connected to you by God's love. So you can decide what you want to do with that fact. But you are connected. That is already true. And part of being in the faith is to understand how sacred, then, those connections actually are. And, um, And how much, then... The whole Bible is all about relationships. Some people say, well, Glenn, I hear you help people with relationships. I suppose that's a good thing for Christians to work on. I think, no, you don't really get it. It's the only thing to work on. So Paul says in Romans about how, you know, if I love my neighbor and my God, then I've done the law. Like, that's all there is. I mean, I literally need to live into that commandment. So if we get it right... It's great. So that's the, that's the blessing of relationships. It's like, wow, well, if we really get that, that there really are no Greeks or Jews or circumcised or uncircumcised or slave or free, but Christ really is and all and is all, then we get to live our life as if every person in our life is literally brought to us by God and is connected to us through God's love. And we get to live our life in that way. And we are capable of doing that, at least at moments. That, you know, we have times when we can really literally feel that connection and we honor that person and we love that person and we can literally feel the force of that connection. And so that's a possibility for us. Now, but here's the struggle. We'll get to this more when we talk about the struggle, but just to sort of set us up. I had a client once who asked me, sort of belligerently, Well, Glenn, do you believe that Jesus was both human and divine? I said, Yes. Aren't you? Look at me like I've lost my mind. But I just think, well, of course. I mean, we each have that spark of God in us. We are God's spirit. And we're walking around on this earth in a physical human body. And those are both true for us. We have a powerful spirit, a soul that dwells within us. And we're very, very human. So, see, when the spirit part of us hears Paul talking Galatians 5, the fruits of the spirit are yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, self control. That's what, that's what God's love produces. That's what we do and what we want and what we're living to when we really experience that connection we have to one another. Um, we have that sort of love for all people. So our spirit gets it. That's true. Our physical self, on the other hand, has a whole different way of looking at things. And that's where we often get in struggles in our relationships. So um, so let me just talk about the spirit part, and we'll come back to the human ego when we come back from break, if that's okay. That's fine. Okay, yeah. great. Um, So... If we get it right, hmm, how can I say? So Jesus says, you know, the whole commandment is about loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And of course, the Pharisees want to ask a question like, well, who is our neighbor? Because they kind of want to nail this down. Are we talking about the 14 families who live in my same neighborhood, who wear the same clothes as I do, share my same tradition, and go to my synagogue with me? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And so many of us, we think, oh, that's a sweet little story. But it's really important to understand, that's an in-your-face story. That's a, that's an intense story. They say, who is your neighbor? Hoping to find a really complicated answer that involves some small group of people.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And Jesus,
1: who is your neighbor? Every single person you're going to meet today, including the ones you can't stand, the ones that drive you crazy, the ones who you are so sure they're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those people. That's what your neighbor is. Every single pe- person who bumps into you today. As your neighbor, and is connected by God's love, and you are expected to treat them as if that's true. You just imagine the Pharisees walking away thinking, but I was hoping for something a little more complicated. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, who is your neighbor? Yep. Mm. Everybody. We are literally connected by God's love to every person we meet. And even if they're not Christian and they don't get that we are, it's still true. hmm Paul says, you know, it doesn't matter if they're Greek or Jew circumcised, it's barbarian. And then he says, Scythian, in there right after barbarians, which is like a particularly barbaric group, just so we don't miss the point.
0: Like,
1: <laughs> like so I mm-hmm. understand, doesn't matter how far off, off base you think they are, literally, they're still connected to you by God's love, like every other single person you're going to meet. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that we can live from that place... Life is miraculously good.
0: Nah, sounds good. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest today. You can learn more about Glenn right at his website, drglennpickering.com. It's Glenn with two N's, P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G.com. Dr. Glenn Pickering. We're going to take a break and come back. We're going to continue our discussion on the blessing and the challenge of relationships. If you have a question or comment, you know that text line is open just for you, 877 933 Welcome to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest today. We're talking about the blessings and the challenge of relationships. I know we all enjoy the blessings, and I bet we all have challenges. Fortunately, Glenn started off by just talking about the blessings and letting us know (laughs) uh, what is true. And God not only is love, but he wants us to connect in love with everyone, including our neighbors, Ones that we might even want to snub. Instead of snubbing, we got to be loving. (laughs) I love that. All right. Now, here's where
1: I started out I remember saying that, uh, you know, that person said, Glendale, you think that Jesus was both human and divine? And I said, yeah, and so are you. Because, see, here's the thing. If we were only spirit, I could hear the Christian message once. I'd never have to go back to church again. Why do I have to keep going back to church? Because I'm not pure spirit. (laughs) Because... There's this whole other part of me that really struggles with living into that place, that living from that place where I really know that everybody's connected to me, that they're all my brothers and sisters. Um, and that human part really gets in the way, and here's how it comes. See, God's message to us... Well, let me start from a different place. The world says, hey, God, hey, Glenn, if you do really great, and you run the race, and you do really, really well, and you're one of the very, very best, at the end you get prizes, Money, prestige, position, call it what you want. Because God said, Glenn, at the beginning of your life, I give you all the prizes, all the skills, the experiences, the people, the giftings that you need. And I'm kind of curious how you're going to run the race. Like, see, if you get... Hmm, I can just imagine Jesus talking to some Pharisees, and they're like, well, Jesus, we have, to, we have this figured out. You know, if we do certain rituals and obey certain commandments and um, have certain religious services at certain times and eat the right foods, then, then God has to love us. And I can imagine Jesus looking at them and thinking, what if he already does? What if that's the starting point? You guys mm-hmm. think that's the thing, that's the reward. But we need to understand, no, that's the starting point. That's the good news. If the quote-unquote good news was if you were really, really, really great, then God would love you at the end, that's not the good news. That's what we already believe. You know, that's that's a really, really worldly message. That's not a liberating message. Mm-hmm. God adores you already and can't wait to see what you're going to do with all the gifts he gave you. That's a radically different message. That's a non-worldly message. Now, I love the book of James. Some people don't, but I think it's amazing. It says in one twenty two, we're supposed to be hearers, doers of the word, not just hearers. See, it's easy to say, "Oh, God is love. We're supposed to love one another. We love our neighbors, ourselves." And it's like, uh huh. But then James said, "Be doers, not just hearers." Easily deluding yourself because it's so easy to think, "Oh yeah, that's how I live my life." And like, uh huh. Think back to the last five people you interacted with, and ask yourself that all five of those people walk away feeling like I'm so loved, I'm so blessed. God is so amazing. They all did. Great. Good for you. If any of them marked away feeling bad or put down or less than you or like they got judged by you in any way, then you need to realize, wow, I'm being a hearer of the word but not a doer because we're really called literally to love all people as they are. So, um, says just a little later in James 2, 1 to 4, that we're not supposed to show any partiality, that somebody comes in with gold wings and nice clothes, and somebody else walks in with shabby clothes, and we just pay attention to the one who looks nice. And James says, then you've made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil designs. And I'm just struck by that language. I mean, that's really... Hmm. I don't mean judgmental, but it's intense. Like... Let me... He's saying to be judgmental of others is literally wicked. Mm, okay. Like, um, which is an old-fashioned word, but sometimes it's the only word that fits, because wicked just means you're actively choosing to play on the wrong team.
0: Okay. Go ahead. Well, just, you've become judges with evil designs. I was hoping right. you might say a little bit more about that. Right. Because, see, if... Oh, let me come back to this.
1: Because my spirit realizes we're all connected, my spirit wants what's good for everybody. But my little human ego can only think about itself. So it's just is always plotting and planning, but how can I get what I want? And so our evil designs are always about, well, how can I get something from somebody else instead of how can I just love them as they are? And so if I'm nice to the person who has money and nice clothes and acts a certain way, so I'm hoping I'm going to get something from that. I, have a little, I, have, I literally have designs upon them, like I'm hoping to get something from them. Mm-hmm. Instead of just really thinking, no, you're one of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I love you exactly the same as everybody else at this party. Um, because, see, at that moment that I think of them that way, they cease to be a person. And they become an object or something I think I need or a way to get something I think that I need. And I literally lose sight of their godly humanity and understanding how much we're connected in God's love.
0: Kind of a fine line, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Whoa. Yeah. And so James is just really warning us about that. Like, be careful because favoring one person over another, especially just because you think that might be advantageous to you, is so counter to God's law that you will literally notice that you're playing on the wrong team. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. So that's not like, oh, you got a hangnail, that's too bad. It's like, no, no, this is like, this is serious. Like, God takes that so seriously. And so then later on when James says in chapter 3, verse 9, how can this be? That the same time, we used to bust the Lord. We used to curse the human beings who are made an image of our Lord. It's like, whoa. I mean, I, I love how it said that it's just so clear. The same person can talk about love, and my spirit knows I love one another, we're all here together, I love God, and I love God's children, And then turn around and smash somebody or put somebody down because they're the quote-unquote wrong political group or the wrong church they go to or the wrong color or who knows what. It's like, wow, and we can go there so fast. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, and here's how come. Because, see, our spirit knows this. I can literally say from a spiritual perspective I am incredibly gifted. I have a set of gifts that nobody else in this world has. And it's just true, because I get it's a gift. So it's not a biting, I just get, yep, that's true for me. Mm -hmm. But it's also true for you. It's true for everybody. Now, but see, ego thinks, no, I'm only good if I can prove I'm better than somebody else. It's one thing to say, God gave me a good brain. It's another thing to say, I'm smart because I can prove I'm smarter than you. Which means I have to prove to you that you're dumber than me. This is the way we build ourselves up from a worldly perspective, which you can see this is the this is a struggle of relationships. We mostly mm-hmm. see each other as being equal to us, caring for us, connected to us, but my ego always wants me to be better than somebody, which means I always have to find ways to put them down, to denigrate them, to sort of be sarcastic about them, or to do all those divisive things you see everywhere you walk around these days as a way of trying to lift myself up by putting somebody else down. And... James couldn't be more clear. This is this is crazy bad. So, our ego always wants to judge things. And mm-hmm. whether we think we're better than somebody or worse than somebody. See, either way, we're making the same worldly mistake. We're thinking what my value is because I'm better than you, or I have less value if I'm less than you. And God says, no, you have exactly mm-hmm. the same value as every one of my other children. Now, you have a different set of gifts than all my other children, but in terms of how loved and valued and important you are, we're all in this thing together. Doesn't it doesn't even make mm-hmm. sense to draw comparisons. It's like Paul says, yeah, we're all parts of the body of Christ. We can't all be the eyes or the nose. I mean, we all have our own parts to play, but everybody's an important part of the body of Christ. I mean, everybody matters. Mm-hmm. My ego thinks, no, I only matter if I can prove that I'm better than you. And my value decreases if I think you're better than me. And that thought, just literally thinking that way, will mess up every relationship we have. Isn't that exhausting, Glenn? Yes. I'm oh my just, gosh, I, yes. I mean,
0: I'm thinking of the sweet spot, and the sweet spot for me would be, I love admiring people and their gifts, and their right. giftedness, because yes. it's kind of fun. Yes. And I don't sit and go, boy, you're more gifted than I am, or right. Right. smarter than me, or whatever, because right. most of the time they are. So. <laughs> right. See, I always think to myself that the two sure signs of God's presence
1: are joy and peace. And when I look at it like that, I just want you to notice, even how peaceful it feels to just say that. Mm-hmm. To think, yeah, everybody has their own gifts. That's kind of cool. But all that work and all the energy and all the fuss we've been in trying to prove somehow that we're worthy, just we get to just drop all that and just live in peace, which is amazing. But, you're right, it comes from starting from that place where we get Hey, we're all loved, we're all gifted, and we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. But my little ego thinks, no, 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 I'm only good if I can prove that I'm better than you, which that's what I mean. And we'll talk about the yeah. why, spiritual what, warfare when we come back. Why is, that,
0: why is that ego so nasty and insufferable?
1: Um, honestly? Seriously. Because it only thinks about itself. Hmm. Think about it. Let's say if you know a really, really self-centered person and painfully we're all pretty self-centered but if you know somebody who's really really self-centered you're gonna notice they're really irritating to be around and they're frustrating and they're not they don't lift anybody up mm-hmm. i think all of us on our worst day that's us mm-hmm. now luckily we also have a spirit that can going to elevate us to move beyond that and we get more and more Where well, we get to live if we're sancti- in that sanctification process where more and more we live from that place but we need to just be dead honest with ourselves from a pure ego physical human being place were that egocentric little maniac.
0: Do they have a hard time lifting somebody up because then there might be uh some dead space where they're not being lifted up. Right. Because see, if I lift you up, that's the
1: whole thing from a worldly perspective. We're supposed to lift one another up. But yeah. if I live from that worldly perspective and I think you're really great, well that means I'm less. hmm Well, who wants to volunteer
0: for that? Yeah, good point. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk more about the blessing and the challenge of relationships. If you have a question or comment, I always welcome whatever you want to send my way, 877-933-2484. You can learn more about Glenn at his website, drglennpickering.com, P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. And he uh, has a lovely offer there about midway down his front page of his website where you can uh, engage him for a 20-minute consultation. No strings attached, no charge. DrGlennPickering.com. We'll be right back. Our guest today is Dr. Glenn Pickering. He's right here with me in studio. We're talking about the blessing and the challenge of relationships. Glenn is a counselor and author. You can learn more about Glenn at drglennpickering.com. Glenn, how do we live in peace with one another? That's a done good question. I like that. Thank you. I, um,
1: I think a lot about when the Apostle Paul talks in Romans 14. He has so much, that chapter alone could literally just guide your life for the rest of your life if you just memorize that one chapter basically saying, you know, if you think one day is the day that's sacred and somebody else thinks something else, so what? If you think, if you know perfectly well that all food is fine to eat, but other people have sort of of beliefs about that certain things are wrong to eat, etc., etc., he said, you know, you could make a big deal out of trying to be right. But you know what? To the extent that you're able to, to the extent that it's up to you, I advise that you live in peace with one another. Just like we talked about before the show, if I just will just let everybody be who they are and just see the wonder of them, I can be at peace. And so and he says in that passage so brilliantly, he says, we're so busy being thinking we're right about the day of the week, or about the food we eat, or about who I hang out with, or what the right way is to say something, or what the right political party is, doesn't matter. He said, and every minute you spend being right, you're acting unlovingly towards your brother and sister, which is the most wrong thing you can do with your life, because God is that powerful force that connects us to our brother and sister. And so think i'm being right while i violate and i'm right to be harsh with them or judgmental of them and in the process i violate my godly connection to them god's paul is trying to say yeah you're right in a real human sort of way but you're incredibly wrong from a godly perspective and you need to understand all of your egos attempts to be right to prove that your way is the right way literally hurt your relationships with the people around you and God only asks us to do two things, to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So, I mean, we're literally going against God's very clear plan for us. So, we're to live in that place where we just see the wonder of each other person. Now, how can we do this? That's the promise. It says in Luke 11, 9, and also Matthew 7, of course, that ask and I shall be given unto you, seek and you shall find. So we are to come before God and ask for what we want. We don't know how it's going to come to us. It's not our job to figure out the whole part. It's just our job to ask for what we want. And and if God says, well, God, I want you to love your brother or sister more perfectly, my ego says, I can't do that, which is the only true thing your ego will ever tell you. That's true. Your ego can't do that. (laughs) Even though it thinks it's really great and amazing and wonderful and way better than almost everybody else, and write about every possible matter under the sun, even our ego knows when we read, okay, now you need to love your brother and sister as yourself. Whoa. Even my ego knows I can't actually do that. So when we read that passage and think, man, I, I can't do that, we need to understand, yeah, that's true. But you don't have to do it by yourself. That's the promise. That's the amazing part of God's love for us. I always think, people ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Of course, he gives them two, which always makes me laugh. First, he says, love God basically with all your heart. And then he says, the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Because he understands, until we're filled with God's love, that whole thing about then wanting to love our neighbor as ourselves is not even remotely possible for us. My ego simply cannot do that. My ego thinks, well, what's in it for me? What's it worth? Why should I love all people and not just the ones who I can get something out of? I mean, it's like our ego is just chattering about the craziest, most self centered stuff. And if you just listen for even just a couple of minutes about all the thoughts that are running in the back of your head, you <laughs> would either laugh or cry when you actually realize all the thoughts that go through your head. They're literally childish. So we can't do it by ourselves. That's the real, true thing. And so that's the great thing then when Luke and Matthew tell us that, um, ask and shall be given unto you. So if I really want to love more perfectly, more caringly, more truly the people in my life, God is so willing to help me with that. I don't have to do that by myself. In fact, I'm going to give people a little exercise right here, and then when we come back from break, we talk about how it went maybe. Because um, here's what I think. Sometimes people say, well, God, how can I keep judgmental thoughts from running through my head? And I think you cannot. Those judgmental thoughts are intrusive thoughts, they're running in the back of your head all the time. That's like saying, well, how can I see without my eyes being open? You can't do it. Like, I mean, those human, physical being thoughts, our little ego is always chatting about something in the back of my head. To think, well, how can I not have that happen is not even a helpful thought. So it's important to think, okay, so if I see somebody who's irritating to me, well, if it's a funny word there, when those things happen, because they will of course, it's important that you do two things. It's important that you not judge yourself for having that thought, because remember our ego is very judgmental. So if I have a bad thought towards somebody and then I start judging myself for having that thought, hopefully you shouldn't be thinking about that terrible. See, that's still just my ego talking. Mm -hmm. This is my ego talking about the things my ego said. (laughs) This is is not going to help me break out of that cycle. In fact, it just keeps me in that cycle. My ego is willing to argue that one from every possible direction. It's crazy. So as soon as I see that I'm having a judgmental, critical, harsh thought towards somebody else, I just need to notice that it's happening, not harshly, no judgment, as factually, almost as scientifically as you can just think, oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I see that I'm having a real judgmental thought there and think, okay, what am I going to replace it with? And this is where turning to God and asking for help is so helpful. Because what God really wants me to do at that point is to see that person through God's eyes. So if I have that judgmental thought and I see it happening and I just sort of smile to myself because my ego is always busy talking about something and just stop and say, God, help me see this person differently. They're going to show me something about that person something good about them, some characteristic about them, some heart about them, some great thing about them, or just even help me feel connected to them in some way, and then I can talk to them. So it's really important to understand. When the scriptures say, ask and shall be given unto you, if I can feel the judgmental, judgmental thought and just stop and ask God, help me see them through your eyes. that God will always answer that request. God will always do what we ask. It will come in lots of different ways, so I don't know exactly how it will come for each person in a situation, but it will happen and then I can see them more from God's perspective, and I can interact from that place, which God would want me to be doing all the time. So it's important to remember we have a huge helper, the same spirit that gives us that ability to care for others in that deep sort of way will always work with us to be able to do that. And so we just need to understand we have, we have the right to call upon that power anytime, always. And some people think, well, Glenn, I'm going to be doing that 100 times a day. I think, uh-huh.
0: Yeah, Way to go. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's going to take. Yeah, so what?
1: I mean, yeah. or I could let a hundred really ugly, icky thoughts run through my mind and keep running through my mind. Yeah. Well. That's the easy out, isn't it? It's the easy out, but it's a really bad use of my day. Oh, I know. And I will be unhappy at the end of it. Yeah. And sort of frustrated, and my ego will be chatting about how stupid I was and how bad a day I had. And it's like, my ego will be beating me up for listening to my ego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's always got to be talking about something.
0: So what if you, what if you have a a critical spirit and you're and you're responding to things in a critical way? Okay. And you, you you see something and and your your knee jerk is to be critical of it. Right. Then what? Then I
1: think a same thing. I just want to notice that I'm doing it. Just not in a judgmental way. Just think, oh, I'm being critical for that person for being repetitive or sort of boring, or they talk sort of slowly. Now, see, here's the thing. Those facts are probably true, and maybe they are kind of repetitive. Maybe they do talk kind of slowly. The fact that that's happening and that I see that fact is not a problem. The fact that I want to judge that fact is a problem. Mm -hmm. But seeing it, I I can look at this guy and think, oh, the sky is blue. Yeah. The sky is blue. It shouldn't be like that. I hate that shade of blue. Well, see, now I'm being judgmental. But just noticing that the sky is blue is not a judgmental Mm thought. It's just the thought. And it's probably true. So, whenever I see myself getting judgmental, I just need to know this. Something in me is getting triggered by that person. So if there's a person who's kind of repetitive, I'm, and I get frustrated with them, I'm going to think to myself, yeah, I, um, I get impatient with people who are repetitive.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. I do. What about if it's a negative, broken record? The other person? Yep.
1: Well, then they'll match up with all the broken buckets I have going on the back of my head, right? Yeah. So So, even if that's true, and even if I think I don't want to be with that person, because I get to choose that, I can still think, yeah, I can walk away from that person thinking they're terrible, they're awful, they're judgmental, I mean, blah, blah, blah. Or I can think, "Uh uh-huh, they tend to repeat themselves, which I find frustrating, so I'm going to go talk to somebody else. Mm -hmm. There's no judgment about them. I'm just discerning what's true about me that I tend to have sort of a low tolerance for that, and so it probably be better for me and for the other person if I went and talked to somebody else. See, I don't have to judge them, put them down, act like I'm better. I get it's some little quirk in me that's getting triggered here. That's what's happening, not that they're a bad person. I'm just going to claim that that's my quirk. Mm-hmm. People who make certain kind of noises bug me because, you know, I'm autistic and so I have noise issues. Well, 99% of the rest of the population probably doesn't even notice that noise. I not only notice it, I think that's stupid. Why are you doing that? (laughs) Which turns out that's not a helpful thought. Mm -hmm. It's way more helpful to think, okay, I get it. I'm autistic. I get triggered by stuff other people probably don't notice. That's what's happening. Mm. So I can either just say a little prayer here or ask God to give me a little patience or go walk away and go do something else. But when I'm walking away, I don't have to be judgmental to the other person. I just have to be claiming my own truth, which is, yeah, that's hard for me. That's just a fact. The sky is blue. Yes, that's a fact. I tend to get triggered by certain noises. Yeah, that's just true. Mm-hmm. It's not good, it's not bad. My ego wants to make it go to bad, but my spirit just thinks, yes, that's true. Because my spirit is about acceptance and my, my spirit's not afraid of the truth. And if I have certain little quirks about me that are true, well, my spirit's not afraid to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I get triggered by weird noises other, other than in ways other people probably don't. Yep. But again, I don't have to be judgmental about me either. Nobody has to be the good one or the bad. one. Right? I just noticed, yes, that's true. And I can either let it go or choose to be more patient to see the person through God's eyes or go do something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Glenn, it sounds like that takes a fair amount of self-awareness. Oh,
1: my goodness, it does, because see, it's so easy to think they're the problem, they're making the noise, they're doing their thing, they're repetitive, they're annoying, They're why don't they see that they're so blah, blah, blah? Because their ego wants to judge everybody else to make ourselves better. That's what it's doing all the time. Mm-hmm. But we need to understand we're just getting triggered because that triggers something in us. We want to make it about them or about the world, or about the circumstances of that person. But really, it's just that there's a part in us that's getting triggered. And we just need to acknowledge that that's true.
0: Well, you can spend your whole day feeling kind of exhausted at the end of the day because you can say, I got triggered 28 times today.
1: Uh huh. And I can let myself sit in that and get triggered I can be all judgmental about them. And I'm going to notice later on in the day, I still have all those icky judgmental thoughts running through my head because I'm trying to justify my being judgmental. But I wrote something like this on my gentle, Being a Gentleman book, that the harder I try to justify my behavior, the more sure I can be that there was something wrong with my behavior. Mm-hmm. So if later on, later on in the day I'm still trying to justify being all self-righteously judgmental, you can be pretty sure that my spirit knows there's something wrong with my being judgmental.
0: <laughs> I think I've done that before. <laughs> on occasion? <laughs> yeah, on, on occasion. I, I think so. All right, we'll take a little all break. Right. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. If you uh, have a question or comment, we we'll be delighted to hear from you. 877-933-2484. You can learn more about Glenn at his website, Dr. Glenn Pickering. P i c k E-R-I-N-G, DrGlennPickering.com. He's nice enough to offer to Faith Radio listeners an opportunity to have a phone conversation with him for 20 minutes, no strings attached, all for free. So you can uh, set that up on his website by filling out a little form, and he won't bug you, and uh, I'm sure you won't bug him. We'll be right back. Let's get studying this summer, starting on June 29th, reading the Bible together. Let's explore what the Bible says about suffering, truth, and godliness as we read together through the book of 2 Timothy. Sign up for the two-week study now and get your free study guide at (laughs) MyFaithRadio.com. I'm back with Dr. Glenn Pickering. We're talking about the blessing and the challenge of relationships. I know that includes everyone who's listening right now, including everyone here in the studio. So, Glenn, (laughs) uh, you know, let's, uh, I know you've, during the break, we talked about an exercise that would be uh, available for all of us to participate in today. Great. I
1: love it. So let me bounce this off here. I'm going to start here. People talk about spiritual warfare all the time, and that's real, but I don't know if people really know what happens exactly which is part of why I try to set this up in the beginning about how we have a spirit and we're also this very human being. And so when we're in spiritual warfare, that's what's happening, As our spirit has a very clear knowing of what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to treat that person or how we're supposed to act. And my physical ego self is having a very different reaction. And people talk about, sometimes I feel like I have an angel on one wing, one shoulder and a devil on the other one, I think right. Because there's these two very different parts of you. We are literally a godly being walking around in a human body. That's hard. Now, I mean, it's also amazing. It's a blessing, like we talked about. But, that, but there's a challenge to that. If we're just spirit, we wouldn't have this problem. If I was just physical, I would have the problem, but I wouldn't know or care. <laughs> so it's like, but because I am a spirit, and I really know that there's a right way to be, and I have an ego which often leads me in a different direction, then there is always this push-pull in us about, you know, which one am we really going to listen to. So I'm going to ask people to literally do this with me, and here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to just think of a person who, in the last day or two, you were found was sort of irritated with them, or sort of judgmental towards them, or had kind of a self-righteous anger thought towards them, which, of course, creates a lot of turmoil. Our ego loves adrenaline, as it turns out. So I just ask you to let that person come to mind and then just stop for a minute if you would and just sort of close your eyes if you're not driving a car (laughs) and just pray just for a minute and ask God to help you see that person through God's eyes. Just take a minute and do that if you would. Think about that person. Let yourself notice how judgmental and condemning you can be when you think about them. Ask God to help you see them through God's eyes who sees all of us as perfect and amazing and one of God's very children of this universe.
0: It's a lot of silence, Glenn. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: That's the funny thing about being on the radio. It's even worse on TV. Yeah.
0: Now, yeah. But
1: here's the thing. Even in just that short amount of time, if I pray for 12 seconds, honest to goodness, there's a person that's irritating me, I take 12 seconds and pray and just say, God, help me see that person rightly. Help me see that person as you see them. Mm-hmm. God will do that. God will give me that picture or a word or a thought, and I will it will shift how I see them. Mm-hmm. And here's what I have to be careful about. If we're not careful, then we'll judge ourselves that we didn't do that before. Again, our ego just loves to chatter about what's ever happening. So if you had that, had harsh thoughts of that person, give it a little prayerful thought, God gives you a better picture, a better way to think about them, a word for you about them. And that helps you get a greater sense of peace. I don't want you to judge it. I want you to just be thankful to the God who brought you that kind of clarity. That's the only response that actually makes sense. Because God is bringing in the right relationship with us at that moment, which helps us then be in right relationship with that other person. It's mm-hmm. like when I said in the Great Commandment, we love God, and then we love our neighbor as ourselves. So I come back to the place where me and God are connected, I'm at prayer, and in that context of that relationship, I'm able to see that person differently. And I don't want to judge myself that I had to have God's help to do that, because it's like, well, of course I did. My human little self is not going to be able to do that by myself. Good point. Yeah. So to judge myself for the fact that I need God's help, it's like... Of course we do. That's yeah. what Jesus said: "Ask and shall be given unto you." Anything we need, our first thought should be to turn to God and think, "God, here is what I need. Mm-hmm. Please help me with that." And when God does help us, I shouldn't think, "Oh, i so bad that I had to ask God for help with that." It's like, no, God loves when we come to Him. God loves when we come to Him. So, you see, so if thinking about that person from God's eyes brought you a certain sense of peace or gentleness, or helped you see that person differently, I'd like you to just take a second now and just be grateful to the God who is so quick to help us all the time, no matter what we're asking for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we we are at the mercy of God every day. I mean, right. we don't know how many heartbeats we're going to have. Right. They could be uh, coming to an end today. Right. So yeah. we talk about how do we do anything apart from God? We can't. Right. Mm-hmm. So... Let's come back to the question you asked at the beginning. You want to restate it for us? I will reread the question. It came in uh, yesterday. And knowing you were going to be on the program, uh, I thought I will address it with you. I have a marriage that has had nothing for almost the entire marriage. My wife has had a lot of anger in her towards me and others. She's verbally abusive. Um, the marital conflicts build up a very big uh, brick wall, and the divorce word comes up often. And I, I pray uh, but there's also some verbal abuse and some physical abuse and i can't do anything right as, so i'm wondering uh she doesn't want to work on this is divorce justified you know i i don't know how many years i have left and do i really want to continue to live in misery do i drag her to a counselor i have no progress with or without prayers from me and others what are your thoughts glenn um first my heart goes
1: out to you that's that's painful like, beyond painful. So I just want to acknowledge that it's hard for me to even think sometimes because that's just so painful. Second, I want to say this. We often go around asking people for answers that our spirit knows the answer to. And very often when people pray, they pray for certain outcomes. God, help this to happen or that to happen. But see, more and more the more I get transformed, the more I mostly pray for clarity. God, help me know what the right thing is. I mean, help me have the courage to do the right thing. And here's the really cool thing. Remember I said, we're a spirit walking around in a human body. And so no matter what the question is, my spirit, because it's totally connected to God, knows the answer to that question. So when somebody asked me a question like that, my little ego could kick in, and I could give them all kinds of suggestions and recommendations. But I think fundamentally it's important to just slow down on your prayer time, ask God for clarity, and by clarity I mean this, to ask this question, what does my spirit know is the right thing to do? Because your spirit does know. And all the other stuff is just a way to not pay attention to what that incredibly wise part of us knows because we get so busy listening honest to goodness to a little chatter that runs in the back of our head that we have to actually slow down, be a prayer, block out everything else, so we can actually hear that still small voice of God. But I Mm -hmm. promise you, that part of you knows the answer to this question.
0: So the answer would be, what comes out of the Word of God? Yes. How do I live a life of obedience? Right. How do I love sacrificially? But also, it sounds like in this particular case, there needs to be, something significant happening to try to get uh, this couple together into a counseling relationship. Right. Into or, a place where they can sort through some of these uh, decades-old issues. Right. And to even
1: understand that, um, how can I say, sometimes the Spirit tells us stuff we don't want to hear and because um, we think we know the rules and our little ego loves to know what the rules are. Even in the question, it's like, "Is this justified?" In other words, what's the rule about this? But I'm always struck by this. In the beginning of Mark, starting in chapter 140, going through verse, going through chapter three, there are seven stories in a row. Seven, which in Jesus' time meant perfect, like perfect, like now you know everything. And in every one of those stories, somebody comes to Jesus, and Jesus has to decide: Am I going to obey the rule, or am I going to honor the relationship? And every single time, of course, he chooses to honor the relationship. So the rules are in place for a reason. They're good rules of thumb. But see, only our spirit knows when it's the right time to listen to the rule and when it's the right time to break the rule. Because Jesus didn't break rules just like some teenager who just tried to be rebellious. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was literally prayerful, thoughtful. So this person with a withered hand is asking me to be healed on the Sabbath. Well, the rule is pretty clear about that in my spirit, what seems right about that? He takes a second, and he prays, and then he heals the person. So I just think we need to understand the power of prayer, that God will answer all of our prayers. If we're willing to come to him and just really, really listen for the answer, which might very well be not what we wanted or expected, mm-hmm. but we have to be willing to listen. We have to use discernment because, because we are human beings physical body but we also have a very powerful spirit in us that always knows what's true and we have to get better and better living from the place where we listen to that still small voice
0: mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to think about that one but chew on that one for a while glenn all right yeah yeah you always do that to me <laughs> it's me, a gift yeah. you make me think about stuff oh crud <laughs> you No, know? so uh, i'll have to figure figure out how i how i feel about uh, that last statement um but I appreciate it very much. I love having you on, and thank you so much for taking time to be here. We talked to Glenn Pickering today about the blessing and the challenge of relationships. He gave some incredible uh, uh, good encouragement and uh, with lots of Scripture. If you've missed any of it, you can check it out at MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the afternoon show page with Bill. Glenn, thank you once again oh, for yeah. being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, yeah, we're going to take a break, and right. hour two is just around the corner Jeff Redorn is my guest. We're going to continue our study in 1 Thessalonians. I think we're in about part 6 or so with this study, and it's a wonderful study. And if you want to get involved in reading the Bible together, we're going to look at 2 Timothy. Uh, You can explore what the Bible says about suffering and truth and godliness as we read the Bible together. We're going to do that uh, two-week study uh, now and get your free study guide at myfaith.com. Radio.com. The reading plan uh, takes place July 24th through August 4th. A lot of people have already signed up for that. They're looking forward to reading the Bible together. We're doing this uh, just the way we should, in community, Second Timothy. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with Hour 2 and Jeff Verdorn in just a minute.